Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Quentin coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios for The Greatest Show on Dirt. Today is Sunday, May 5th. Oh, today's Cinco de Mayo. I had no idea that today was Cinco de Mayo. I think I'm supposed to get drunk and eat a lot of queso or something, which is basically what I like to call a Tuesday. <laughs> that happens to me, though. I do realize that you know, being so engulfed in baseball because I love baseball and I love recording the podcast. I know very little about the outside world. I'm sort of like an Amish dude, but he he just really likes baseball. Like there's so many things of the outside world I've never seen. Listen to this. For example, okay, at work the other day, I just realized that Donald Trump wants to put people on the moon Before, by 2024, by 2024, the president of this country wants to put men on the moon again, or women, whatever, right? And I had no idea that we were even talking about putting people on the moon again, and apparently this is just a thing. Like, Elon Musk is working with NASA. They're launching, he's got a rocket called Dragon that they're just trying to, like, launch up into space, and it's like... By 2024, human beings are supposed to be on the moon. And then after that, we're going to Mars. Wow, these are big developments in American culture. And I don't know anything about them. Like, I watch baseball and I watch Game of Thrones. Like, is this alarming that I know more about the status of the Iron Throne and the launch angle of my favorite Major League Baseball players than I do about launching to the moon and human civilization about going on to the next realm. <laughs> like, this is something, like, I should know. Like, if I ever have kids and they're like, Daddy, can you tell us about the moon landing? I'm going to be like, no, the Cubs were playing that night, so I don't really know what happened, kids. Sorry. You better ask your teacher. Like, this is bad. Like, I don't even know the order of the planet. So when we're talking about, like, going to Mars, I'm thinking in my head, like, well, okay, like, where's Mars? Like, is it closer to the sun or is it further away to the sun? Like, do I need to bring a parka or do I need to bring sunscreen? Like, I don't know the order of the planets. And... To be perfectly honest with you, I'm not too sure I know where all of the states are in the United States. Like, when I think of going out west, all of that sort of confuses me. Like, for example, where's Utah? You know, I don't really know, like, what Utah's connected to. Like, Utah, Idaho, Colorado, like, New Mexico, the Dakotas, Montana. Dude, I have no idea, man. Like, But I could, you know, if... If my wife ever gets kidnapped and the kidnapper calls me and said, if you can tell me how many home runs Bill Pakota hit 1991, I'll save your life. I would be like, yeah, six home runs. Let my wife go. But if a kidnapper ever calls me and's like, hey, buddy, I'll let your wife free. Just tell me what state is to the west of Utah. I would just be like, it's nice knowing you. Like, I couldn't help you, man. I just don't know stuff about that stuff. But we're going to the moon. Let's talk baseball. Greatest show on dirt. Let's get to the show. Alright, here we 
are. As I record this episode, I've got a Mark 1 baseball in my hand, and it smells so good. It's it just smells like leather and dirt, and I love it. It's got just these thick stitches on it. It's actually a really good baseball if you want to actually play baseball. And, um, you know, like not just a batting practice baseball. It's this Mark 1 baseball. And honestly, I want to start pitching. I think I'm going to... I'm going to make some sort of setup and maybe like a pitcher's mound. Like my dad made me a pitcher's mound when I was like uh, in junior high. And I'd like to make myself a pitcher's mound on the side and just sort of see how hard I throw. They had, and this is how you know you're getting old. I went to a Charlotte Knights game last Friday and they had a thing outside where you could see how hard you throw. And my wife couldn't make it, but I was there with my brother-in-law. And my wife's little sister, and she was like, you should throw. And I was like, if I do, I'll be completely incapacitated. I'll throw my arm out, literally. When I was a kid, like when the dad on Family Matters was like, oh, I'm going to throw my back. I was like, what does that mean to throw something out? Well, I throw everything out on a daily basis, but I would like to see how hard I could throw a baseball. I, I don't know how hard that could be. Probably like 55, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't really know. I'd like to think I could throw like high 80s, but it probably wouldn't happen. Like Kyle Hendricks, he's a professional pitcher and just threw an 81-pitch complete game. He didn't even hit 90 miles an hour, so there's no way I can do it. But let's um, shoot. Let's get to some news and notes, man. Let, roundings, round about the league, man. Let's take a cruise in the car, okay? Pedro Strope, Chicago Cubs reliever, had his car stolen while he was in, I think, L.A. and the Cubs were playing the Dodgers. So welcome to L.A., buddy. They stole his car. And basically what happened, he was with the cops until like the fifth inning. And he's like, hey, I got to go get ready to pitch or whatever. But his car got stolen. And then it was involved in a high-speed chase. But then he still got the save that night anyway. Like if I got my car stolen, I would just be like, Dude, I hope they don't find, like, all the weird foods I have in the center console. Like, why does this guy have so many things of fruit roll-ups in here? What a creepazoid. What is he trying to do, kidnap children? But I like to eat when I drive, man. And, but I thought about this, like, when, you know, to steal a car, like, there's probably good money in that. So, you know, his car got boosted, basically, like, some Gone in 60 Seconds stuff. And I was like, well, how did they steal his car? Right? Well, they hot-wired the car. And I know when I was a kid... The two most important things in my life were hot wiring a car in quicksand, right? I, I always wanted to know how to hot wire a car. I thought it was so cool. Like, I'm thinking, like, you ever watch the movie Maximum Overdrive? Like, those cars just start by themselves, and there are so many movies. I swear, all the good movies I watched when I was a kid, it was all about hot wiring a car. And I'm like, dude, that would be so fun to do. Because if I could hot wire a car, I'd steal a car right now. I think I would do it. I think it'd just be so fun that I would just dump it afterwards. Like I would hotwire a Lamborghini and just drive it around and then just leave it like in a Walmart parking lot when I was done. But and then quicksand, dude, I was always super paranoid about quicksand. I just didn't know what would happen. Like if I got, you know, chalked up by some quicksand, it started sucking me in the ground, man. Like who's going to take care of all my action figures? Like quicksand man it's just this thing like you can't get out of have you ever watched the movie the never-ending story like the kid in that movie i think somebody his horse gets taken away by quicksand man it's a big deal but pedro strope got his car stolen i don't know what kind of car pedro strope drove but listen if i had to pick the type of car for him to drive man 
I would say for sure he drive he drove a Mazda Miata before a purple Miata before he got his uh, major league baseball salary. And now I would say for sure he probably drives one of those cars that has a wheel on the front, then two wheels on the back that the Rough Riders do donuts in. That's probably what he drives for sure. Uh, but props to Pedro Stroman. Get your car stolen. Come out and get a save. The Chicago Cubs, since their 2-7 and seven start, have the best record in all of baseball, man. Things are going good for him. Next on the agenda, and boy, this is one that this might be rock bottom. Smash Mouth. The band Smash Mouth. You know who they are? Hey, now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Yeah, all that crap. So Smash Mouth, they're big San Francisco Giants fans, and they lobbied to get Bryce Harper to San Francisco, right? And Bryce Harper did not sign for San Francisco. He signed with Philadelphia. And I guess they hypothesized that the taxes maybe had something to do with it, that Bryce Harper is very greedy and wanted lower taxes, so maybe he went to Philly. I'm not really too sure. Like, if I had to pick somewhere to play baseball, San Francisco would be on the top of the list. I wouldn't really care that much about taxes because you're paying me like $300 plus million. But Smash Mouth tweeted that Bryce Harper was a jackass. <laughs> Let me read you the tweet. Seriously, Smash Mouth called Bryce Harper a jackass and told him he could swim in a sea of booze. So here's the tweet. This is from Smash Mouth to Bryce Harper. They say, yo, Bryce. Told you not to go to Philly, jackass. <laughs> Which all I can think of is a guy on Happy Gilmore going, jackass. <laughs> and he goes, the Giants fans never boo their own players. You were led by money only to swim in a sea of booze. How much do you love your agent now? Worth the taxes you avoided? Well, I can answer that question. Let's rewind a little bit. And I'm going to recant my previous. I'm, I'm going to redo my previous statement. $330 million, is it worth avoiding taxes to have drunk people in the stands like chugging Miller Lite booing at me? Yeah, it's worth it. <laughs> it's 100% worth it, you dummy. How's that 40 minute, 45 minute drive to the stadium? LOL. Dude, what? 45 minutes to a baseball stadium? Do you think Bryce Harper's driving himself to the stadium? He's probably riding in the back of a limousine, like playing Sudoku puzzles. That sounds great. That's like a leisurely thing, man. He's probably drinking just ginger ales or yoo-hoos in the back seat. None of this stuff is bad. Like, drunk people are booing me. A 45-minute drive to work, like every other American in the whole entire universe. That's totally fine, but this is like... Here's the thing, man. So, but what's... Okay, so here's the thing, man. Bryce Harper's not having a good April, right? So it pretty much sucks. So should Phillies fans probably boo him? Yeah, sure, man. His last 15 games, he's batting a buck 89 with a 317 on base. And a lot of Bryce Harper's shtick is if he's not hitting well, he's always getting on base. Now he's past 15 games, he's actually not even getting on base. A 317 on base percentage is low. For Bryce Harper, it's really low. And he's only slugging 396, which is about what a pitcher slugs. He's got 16 strikeouts and only 10 hits in his last 15 games. So he's he's striking out more than he's hitting, man. He's hitting about as well as Phil Gosselin. Do you know who Phil Gosselin is? I don't either. He's somebody on the Phillies roster. He's an actual baseball player. It's not. We're not talking like Dr. Phil. This isn't like, you know, like 
the kidney uh, the kidney stone doctor or the prostate guy you see on the billboard on the way to work every day, even though they probably look alike and have the same name. Phil Gosselin, dude, is the guy. And here's the thing, man. He, I, I would probably boo Bryce Harper. I, I'm pretty sure I would. But what's worse in this situation, right? Having a crappy April or having to sing All-Star to make a living? I think Bryce is still probably doing okay, man. Okay? Um, cheers to Smash Mouth for being baseball fans, dude. I wonder how Nickelback feels about this. That's my only question. Next on the agenda, okay, there is a phenomenal athlete. His name is DJ Uagalele. That's not pronounced right, but that's the guy's name. We're just going to call him DJ, but his last name looks like Uagalele. Okay, he's the 2020 recruit, recruiting class number one overall quarterback, right? Um, scouts are like NFL projection people. They compare him to Cam Newton, which pretty much means he can run fast. He's huge and he can throw a football really far. But this kid, he also plays baseball. He's a junior in high school. He's six foot four and 240 pounds and throws a 95 mile an hour fastball and can throw a football 85 yards. People are talking about this kid, and he says when he goes to college, he wants to play football and baseball. He wants to do both for as long as he can. And he says, if I'm lucky enough to play in the MLB or NFL, that would be phenomenal. Okay. So what it looks like with this kid is he it's he's not likely to play both sports because I don't think it's really allowed because it doesn't seem feasible right now because there's too much sport or excuse me, there's too much business in sport. So like when Bo Jackson didn't play baseball or shoot, Bo Jackson was drafted like number one overall by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? And then didn't play and then went to Memphis to play for the Memphis Chicks for like double A Royals, right? He turned down big money to go make like nothing to play in the minors until he got to the majors. Those sorts of things don't happen anymore because business is so much a part of like the athlete's decision. You're almost looked at as dumb if you like just want to play baseball for the love of it. I guarantee there were a ton of people who were like, why Shohei Otani coming to MLB so soon? Because if Otani would have waited, I think, another two or three years to come to MLB, he could have signed like as a normal free agent and just signed like a whatever, like a $200 million contract instead of getting rookie pay because Shohei makes the league minimum. But there's a lot of talk around this guy about, you know, is he the next two-way star? I love the talk of, to personally, me, I want there to be another Bo Jackson in the way athletes are so advanced now, like a kid that's 6'4", 240 and has these amazing tools. I do think it'll happen someday, but I think it'll be a lot of the athlete pushing for it because coaches and agents are likely to tell him not to do it. And I would say what'll happen is it's going to have to be a guy with just an immense amount of natural baseball talent because I feel like if there's going to be a two-way star, it's going to lead with like the NFL and then maybe like baseball kind of sort of comes into the side and they sort of do it like Russell Wilson going to Yankee spring training every year. Maybe something like that happens and the guy just plays until 
football season comes along. And I would say if you want to be a two-sport athlete, you could probably get to the majors and not be that good because Major League Baseball would love for, you know, the most popular NFL player to come and play baseball. You know, secret, secretly inside, I want Kyler Murray to play baseball in a couple years, and I hope he does it. I, I, I mean, I think it can be done. I do think at least I, – I, I do believe – that if an NFL player like Kyler Murray or DJ, I won't say his last name again, you do not want me to butcher it while you're driving in your car again for like the umpteenth time. I do believe that if a football player wants to play baseball, baseball's not going to hurt them on the football field, but it would hurt them on the baseball field like if they got injured or something, right? And, and they might not be able to play baseball because they have some nagging injuries. But I wouldn't believe that an NFL team would have a problem with someone coming to play baseball in the baseball season. I do know when Bo Jackson would switch from baseball and go to the NFL, he would have like days of practice before his first game and did just fine. And I'm not saying that like every athlete can do that, but I do believe if you're a gifted enough athlete, you might not have to beat in the practice, the batting practice, the drills and all of that stuff. And when you get a guy like DJ or maybe Kyler Murray or what Bo Jackson was, and you have all this God-given ability, you might be able to play two sports. And the kid, he's half black, half Samoan, and all just monster. He's got the best right arm that people have ever seen maybe since Bo Jackson, you know, because Bo Jackson could could throw really far. But, you know, he was a running back. He wasn't a quarterback. But I'm super excited for the prospect of a two-way star, and hopefully it'll happen at some point. I don't know the DJ will be the next, you know, the two-way star that we see. But, hey, he might be and – as baseball starts to infuse itself with a lot of this young talent, there could be the the smart business decision could lead to being a two-way star because if you talk about from an advertising perspective, what Bo Jackson was to the Nike campaign at the time with the introduction of the cross trainer, you know, he uh, was the most popular you know, athlete to endorse anything at that time. That was really before MJ came along and was big with Nike is you had Bo Jackson. So there's a lot of marketability that could happen for a two-way star. And with this kid only being a junior in high school this year, he, um, you know, times could sort of change where maybe that could happen. Uh, move on to the next thing. Shohei Otani, man, our current two-way star pitcher designated hitter. He said he's ready to go right now. And he's getting a little impatient. He should come back maybe this coming up week. It seems like the latest would be before May 17th because right now the LA Angels are on a road trip. And that road trip ends May 15th. I believe they have the 16th off and then they play again on the 17th. So it seems to be maybe at the earliest next week and at the latest would be May 17th, which I think would be not tomorrow, but the next Monday. So he should be back soon. So get ready for it, man. There's going to be a lot of good things to watch with Shohei Otani. You know, we're not going to see him pitch at all this year. So with his Tommy John surgery, it's just not going to happen. But he's that elbow's it's strong enough to hit, and he's totally fine to hit in BDH. And what we're all excited to see is a continuation of what we saw last year, and and, and if it's going to continue or 
if it's just sort of those like one-year things that happen with rookie hitters that come up and hit really well the first year, then have a decline. You know, a few of the things we notice about Shohei Otani is his ability to adjust is he has a great ability to adjust. And as the season went on last year, he was just getting better and better. I'm curious to see if that happens. And he's a little more comfortable as it sat last year. He had a 150 OPS plus. He batted 285 with a 361 on base and 564 slugging. Those are all elite numbers. He had 22 home runs in 104 games. So, you know, we, we might see that again because right now we're, oh, shoot, approximately 42 games into the season, I guess. So he's going to get a chunk of time. So we'll see how that goes. The Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins have the best record in baseball right now. They do. The Tampa Bay Rays have the second best record and the Twins have the first best record. That's crazy, right? They are ah, they're right. I want to say they're like 20 and 11 right now. They've uh they beat the Yankees yesterday. Yeah, they're 20 and 11 is what the Minnesota Twins are. They um shoot, man. The AL Central sort of always belonged to the Cleveland Indians because all the other teams have been just like a really bad joke, like the ones I try to tell on this podcast. But, um, hey, man, they're sixth in runs scored per game. They're third as a team. As a team, they're third in OPS plus, sixth in runs scored per game. And they're pitching, man. Dude, they're pitching. If you look at all their team pitching, like ERA Plus and stuff like that, they're about three spots on average above MLB averages, right? So their ERA Plus as a team is like three spots above average. And if you look at all their pitching numbers, like ERA, strikeouts, runs allowed, stuff like that, that's what it about is. So their pitching staff's a little better than average, but their hitting seems to be pretty good. Third in OPS Plus in all of baseball. You're talking good right now. Um, their pitching, man, is is sort of going to be sneaky good, I think. I think I've talked about it a couple episodes ago. Jose Barrios had a good season last year. That sort of seems to be taken off this year. Jake Odorizzi threw like a couple days ago, I think like six or seven shutout against the Yankees. Big Mike, Michael Pineda, Kyle Gibson, those are the other two guys that are running it out. Michael Pineda is a former Yankee who had Tommy John and has come back now with the Twins. So it's a big guy there kind of getting settled in. Um, hey man, the twins could for sure, you know, I think I had power rankings a couple weeks ago and I put the twins somewhere in it, I think only because they could win their division and make the postseason. and any team that can do that, you know, you sort of have to pay attention to them. So, Hey man, twins can make the playoffs. This is crazy, dude. Rocco Baldelli, who's like a 37 year old manager must be doing pretty good over there. No doubt about it, dude. So keep your eyes on them. Uh, the Cubs Cardinals rivalry. It's back. Listen, we sort of thought that it might be back because in the uh, offseason, Chris Bryant jokingly said St. Louis was boring, and John Brebbia and Yadi Molina got super offended by that, which probably means deep down they know it's sort of boring. And really, like, if you ever go to St. Louis, it's not super boring, man, you know, because – um. It's super violent, right? So you're never going to be bored. You're always just sort of going to be watching your back, hoping your car doesn't get robbed, right? So I don't know if boring's a word for it. Just as, I mean, you know, it is boring to be on hold with your insurance company when you call Geico because your car got robbed. 
or stolen. So that could be a boring phone call. Let's sort of see what they're saying, man. But one of the best rivalries in baseball, man, it is back. These are two competitive teams. As it sits right now in all of baseball, they're probably overall standings. I'll tell you in a second. I think it's the Twins first, Tampa Bay Rays second, Dodgers third, Cardinals fourth, Diamondbacks fifth, Cubs sixth. As it sits right now, the Cubs are, ooh, that actually might not be refreshed. Oh, yeah, because the Cubs are a half game back in the division. The Cubs do play the Cardinals today for a sweep. And, you know, I, I, th- I think it's going to be there, man. I think the you've got two really good competitive teams with two good offenses. Uh, the Cubs bullpen looked awful. The Cubs bullpen started the season looking like Steve Urkel. And now they sort of look like Stefan Urkel. And they're holding their own. The offense looks phenomenal. As far as run differential in all of baseball, Tampa Bay Rays have a plus 46, and that leads the league. The Cubs are second in run differential, so they're scoring a lot of runs and allowing a little less than what they score. Runs scored in the league, the Cubs and Cardinals are... uh, Cubs are sixth, Cardinals are seventh in runs scored. In runs allowed, the Cubs are fifth. And the Cardinals are like 12th or something like that. Two good teams. The NL Central, sort of like what the AL East is looking like. It's going to be super competitive. And the NL East, actually. If you you like to watch good competitive baseball, and one of the the knocks on baseball has always been that this show is 162 games long. So call me when the good stuff starts happening, which tends to be about September, and then when the playoffs start in October. But this year, the baseball gods have given us something good. And right now, they've given us a very competitive NL East with the Phillies, Braves, Nats, Mets. They've also given us a very competitive... NL West, you've got the Dodgers. Well, here's the thing. The Arizona Diamondbacks are 20 and 13. They're only a game back in the division. So oddly enough with them sort of unloading, like not bringing Corbin back and not bringing Goldschmidt back, they're still playing really good baseball. So the NL West, for sure, I would say has, my hat just fell. (laughs) I have a hat wall in my office, man. And there's a ghost in here. My Angels hat keeps falling. It's the devil that's doing it. But when you look at the NL West, you've got the Padres, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Rockies. Four good teams that I I believe could make the playoffs this year. In the NL Central, Reds, honestly, all five teams, I think it's going to be a knockout, you know? Uh, Brewers are the Brewers, right? The Brewers are in third place right now in the NL Central, and they're good. Um, they have a guy named Christian Yelich, and he hits, he hits, he's been practicing hitting baseballs, and he's gotten really good at it. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the Cubs, Cardinals. The Cincinnati Reds, dude, are at a plus-16 run differential. Their pitching's starting to settle down. Derek Dietrich hits home run, like three-run home runs every other day. And, dude, if you've never watched Derek Dietrich hit a home run, he's a lefty, and his home runs are very Ken Griffey jr ask because he'll hit him, and then he'll sort of like walk and strut for like his few first steps until he starts jogging to first. They're phenomenal home runs, man. They're really good-looking home runs. He's getting hot, man. So the whole NL Central is loaded, dude. Any of those teams can make the playoffs. Get into the East. 
It's all four teams but the Marlins. Mets, dude, are standing out, man. Good pitching, good hickey, good hickey, good hitting. Um, we'll get into that later, man. Pete Alonso, they look good, man. Good pitching, Zach Wheeler, the whole shebang, man. I like him, like him a lot, dude. Edwin Diaz, best closer in all baseball last year. They got the kid. Plus the Phillies, the Phillies own the division right now with the Mets second. The uh, shoot, no. The Braves are second in that division, then the Mets third. Nationals are four games under 500, dude. I just don't know what's up with that, man. I guess the the Nationals are the team where you could just have a bunch of good players but just don't win baseball games because statistically, they're good players all over the team. They just don't win baseball games. It's wild, man. It's unbelievable, dude. It's like you got to try to lose if you're the Washington Nationals, man. It's like... The Washington Nationals are sort of like Cousin Eddie, bro. They're like a really good time, always got beer, super sweet mobile home, fun to hang out with, but like they don't really work that well, man. They're kind of dirty, like they can't win baseball games. I just wanted to make a Cousin Eddie analogy. I'm sorry, guys. Hey, shitter's full. Love it, man. It's, dude, it doesn't have to be Christmas to talk about Cousin Eddie. I promise you that right now. Division's loaded, man, so you got a strong we got a strong baseball season. This season with competitive baseball, my friends, it does not have to last or does not have we don't have to wait till September to get it, man. I love it. But Cubs Cards rivalry, dude, super pumped about it, man. Two good teams. Kind of 2015 was about the last year that I really loved watching Cubs Cardinals games, man. And we are back for it. Uh, in the swing of things, man, we've got our April Major League Baseball Players of the Month. So as the first month of the season is done, the two best guys in baseball, we've stated the number one for the American League is Timmy Anderson, man. Mr. Batflip himself infusing the league with furious thunder and just a phenomenal attitude, man. Tim Anderson. If you haven't watched a lot of Sox baseball games, you may think of Tim Anderson as a dick who flipped his baseball bat and doesn't respect the game. That's not your guy, man. Tim Anderson is a stellar dude. He loves the game. He plays the game the right way. And all in all, he's... I like people with positive personalities that I believe play the game with love, and Tim Anderson does just that, man. He, as it, I don't know what his April stats were, but we're about a week into May, and as it sits right now, Timmy's batting 336 with a 364 on base, so you can tell he doesn't walk a whole lot. He strikes out a pretty good amount, but that percentage is down about 5% over the last few years. But his walk percentage is also down, which I don't have a problem with. I think guys that come up there swinging, you know, kind of like Javi Baez and stuff. Hey, swing at that first pitch and hit it, man. No doubt about it. He's running, as it sits right now, six homers, 21 ribbies. I dig it, man. I like it, dude. He's already, his fan graphs wars at a two. No, his fan graphs wars at a 1.1, which is already a little more than half of what he put up all of last season. Tim Anderson's looking good, man. One of the things I hope for Tim, part of me down low feels like it may be like a lucky first part of the season and wondering in my head because like his BABIP is 386 right now and that is his batting average on balls in play, okay? And league average with that number is usually about 300. And, it you know, guys that probably have the highest batting average on balls in play are the guys that hit it the hardest. Now, I don't know if Tim Anderson hits it the hardest, but a lot of 
statistical people will tell you that that number cannot stay that high. So uh, uh, an inflated BABIP will tell you that there's luck involved in a guy's hitting at the moment. And, you know, into the season, you know, he's 116 play, 118 plate attempts into the season with this 386 Babbitt. He's going to regress, right? Because at one point this season, he was batting like 380, and he is down to 336. But what I hope for Tim Anderson is a guy that can hit 300, maybe slug for 500, and get sort of like this south side version of Javi Baez, man. And I would love it, dude. I, I hope the progression stays. I hope he keeps getting better. I'm super excited for him, man. Your NL player of the week you would have, or excuse me, these are players of the month, okay? Your National League player of the month, you probably would have thought would have been Christian Yelich, but all season long, Cody Bellinger has been the best hitter in all of baseball. Already this season, he's played in 33 games and stepped up to the plate 141 times. He's still batting 415 with a 489 on base and an 847 slugging. His fan graphs war is already at 3.2. Listen, all of last season, it was just a 3.6. This is an elite dude who no longer has to be a platoon guy. He's hitting lefties and righties. And one of the key things with this, which this is one of the changes that Sammy Sosa was able to make, which catapulted him to the 60 home run milestone. Cody Bellinger's strikeout percentage, his rookie season was 26%. Last year brought it down to about 24%. This year it's 13.5%. He's hitting the baseball. His walk percentage is up about another 3%. He's taken more walks and to drop... He's, he dropped his strikeout percentage about 11%. That is ginormous right now. Fully deserving of that got to be player of the month. But MLB also awarded rookies of the month. Now, this we have a lot of great rookies in Major League Baseball right now. And the two names I'm probably about to give, you would have never thought that these would be the guys. Number one. The New York Mets got a guy named Pete Alonzo, dude. He was a second-round pick. Uh, that, that means he was the 64th overall pick in 2016. He's 24 years old. He turned 24 over the winter. He's a big boy, and he looks to be a really good hitter. He's striking out um, about as much as Bo Jackson, dude, but he's already got 10 home runs on the year. He's walking at a 10.8% walk rate, which I like that for a rookie, right? Like, that's okay. Like, he's getting some walks in there. This isn't a guy that's walking 3 or 4% of the time. As it stands right now, his batting average is a respectable 289 with a 374 on base, right? So he is taking his walks. The kid is slugging 620. Super elite right now. And if I'm not mistaken, I've only watched him bat a couple times. I believe he's a right-handed batter. And as far as fan graphs war is concerned, he's already racked up 1.4 of those points, man. He's doing really good right now, and he's an exciting player. And you talk about Pete Alonzo, and I can tell you this, man. There's no way, shape, or form that I was going to take the New York Mets seriously coming into this season because it's just 
we're just used to the Mets just sort of being the Mets, right? And they didn't do like any huge rebuilds, but they've always had good prospects coming up, but their pitching is starting to iron out, right? Like as it sits right now, like Noah Syndergaard's healthy. He's already made seven starts. He hasn't really solved all of his problems yet, but we've seen good starts from Noah Syndergaard. We've seen good starts from Zach Wheeler. Jacob, we've seen good starts from Jacob DeGrom. Like they're, they haven't really settled in, but with their starters, right? Wheeler, Noah, and Jake. And then also, Stephen Matz has made seven starts on the year to a respectable 386 ERA. They've got good starters. They've got a good bullpen. They've got guys in the bullpen. They've got names you'll recognize in the bullpen. Justin Wilson, Juris Familiar, Seth Lugo, I think, was a converted starter who's in the pin. Edwin Diaz, Robert Gesellman. Like, they've got a good bullpen, dude. But bat-wise, dude, you're looking at Robinson Cano, who's batting 248 right now. He's having a good year. Oh, Petey, Pete Alonzo, Wilson Ramos is a good hitting catcher. He's a good defending catcher. Jeff McNeil, you probably heard that name last year. 120 at bats. He's batting 350. JD Davis, that's a guy that I've never heard of. They play him at third base. This guy named JD Davis. He's had 83 plate attempts. And I'll tell you what, he's batting 278. We like that right now. He's um he actually he was drafted in the third round by the Astros. They've got him now. He's 24 years old. He can play third, first, and left. Dude, they've um I mean, they're getting good with guys right now, 131 OPS. So Pete Alonso was the uh, rookie of the month. But, you know, keep your eye out for the Mets and as a whole for being good. Some other numbers on Pete as far as his home runs go. His nine home runs lead all Major League Baseball rookies and are tied for the most. He had nine home runs in April. Okay. He has 10 now. But his nine home runs for the month of April, they led all of Major League Baseball rookies and actually was tied for the most by a Mets player ever before May 1st. Um, that tied with Neil Walker, John Buck. I don't know who that is. Carlos Delgado. Carlos Delgado. I realize that was probably annoying. And then Dave Kingman, basher of baseball's former Cub. It's good, good company to be in, my man. Pete Alonso's doing good. Um... Keep this thing going, news and notes, man. Kyle Hendricks, my boy, threw a two-hour and 28-minute, 81-pitch complete game. He only threw 18 balls, which is how much Jake Arrieta throws sometimes in an inning. <laughs> no, no, no. That's how many you Darvish legitimately throws in an inning. Truth be told, Jake Arrieta's pitched phenomenal this year and is not walking a lot of guys and has a really good control. Um, I traded on my fantasy team. Before the season started, I traded Kyle Hendricks for Jake Arrieta. And all season, it's really helped me out because Jake Arrieta's been good. But then Kyle Hendricks comes out and throws the best baseball game that we'll see all year probably. And I want to bring up some stuff here, man. Check this out. So Kyle Hendricks in this 81-pitch complete game, he did not throw one pitch over 90 miles an hour. So he was all in the 80s. He was working with like... Off-speed stuff, I think like in the high 60s, low 70s, a lot of the time, he got five outs on first pitches, nine outs on second pitches. His 81 pitches, because he faced 30 batters, that was an average of 2.7 pitches per batter. Um, the top five hitters in the St. Louis Cardinals order were 0 for 18 
And those are the Cardinals have a phenomenal offense, right? So for him to do this against the Cardinals is huge because the Cardinals see him. They know what they're getting with Kyle Hendricks. They've hit him before. But a testament to this game, like my first question was, well, how in the world did Kyle Hendricks throw an 81-pitch complete game and only allow four hits, which were four singles, and only strike out three guys? That's all he struck out was three guys. And check this out. One of those strikeouts was the first batter he faced, and then one of those strikeouts was the next-to-last batter he faced of the whole entire game. So for the guts of the game, he only struck out one guy. And apparently it was his fastball command that did it. So this is a guy that pitched with pinpoint accuracy, just like Greg Maddox would do when you watched him on TBS. And truth be told, he was perfect the entire baseball game. And what's even mind-boggling to me is how Kyle Hendricks does this with a fastball that drives in the 80s, right? It's a DeLorean, 88 miles an hour tops, dude, and it does damage. And apparently, he had a really stellar changeup working that day, and then I believe his curveball as well, which I believe will hit 69 miles an hour. So the curve, the change, plus the fastball command, and his pitches are located so well, and his pitches move so well, it allows him to get people to create soft contact with a fastball that only drives in the 80s and then off-speed stuff that's very consistently in the 70s. This was a game not filled with strikeouts but weak contact. And what? And so my thought was, well, if you're the St. Louis Cardinals, why don't you just take pitches and then get him out of the game? Because post-game, Kyle and his catcher, Wilson Contreras, said that they had recognized that the St. Louis Cardinals were super aggressive. So they they pitched to that theme of the Cardinals being aggressive. And the Cardinals kept being aggressive the whole time. So logic would probably tell you, well, just stop swinging at this stuff and get his pitch count high, right? But I thought to myself, I was like, well, why didn't that work? I think it didn't work. Because Kyle Hendricks throws a baseball, and you swear that it looks like you can hit that baseball. So you keep swinging at it because it looks like a hittable baseball. But the the subtle movement, when it moves on the end, and it's placed so well on the edges of the plate, no matter how hard you try and how good it looks, you can't get hard contact on it. This is truly one of the best games we'll see all season. And truth be told, it's better than what you would think it is. What Kyle Hendricks did is a is a way better performance than what we think it is. It's a rarer performance than what we think it is. So I went to baseball reference, and here's some stuff I figured out. Okay, since I'm going to work back to 2009. So we're going to work in a 10-year window from 2009 to now, 2019. So one of the best things a pitcher can do is pitch a no-hitter. And even better than that is pitch a perfect game. So since 2009, there have been 35 no-hitters. And of those 35 no-hitters, we've seen six perfect games, okay? In that same span, since 2009 to now, 
pitchers that have thrown a complete game shutout, throwing 85 pitches or less, which is what Kyle did since 2009, that's happened four times. Four times. So what Kyle Hendricks did in the last 10 years has happened four times. There have been more perfect games and like six times as many no-hitters than there were with what we saw Kyle Hendricks do. It's unbelievable. The four guys, I'll tell you right now, Corey Kluber threw 85 pitches on a three-hitter in 2014 against the Mariners. Trevor Williams last year, July 23rd. Nope, nope, hold on. That's not it. That's not it. Trevor Williams isn't it. Sorry about that. Hold on. The first one I said was right. Corey Kluber, 85 pitches, three hits, Mariners, 2014. A guy named Jeff Karstens in 2011 threw a five-hit, 83-pitch shutout. A guy named Aaron Cook. I ain't heard of that guy. He was a Red Sox, though, and he did it to the Mariners on a two-hit, two-strikeout performance. And then Kyle Hendricks with his four-hit, three strikeout performance and actually as I'm looking at this right now I love Kyle Hendricks performance because it was on the lower end of 80 pitches but Corey Kluber's performance in 2014 had four more pitches than what Kyle Hendricks do so 85 pitches and none of these guys walked anybody which is so impressive Kyle Hendricks didn't walk a soul but neither did the other three guys but in Corey Kluber's he allowed three hits he still struck out eight guys and kept an 85 pitch count. That tells me the guys he was striking out, he was getting on like three pitches. Because when you add in that type of strikeout, a high strikeout number, that elevates the pitch count, right? Pitching to contact is what keeps this number so low. So cheers to Kyle Hendricks, man. I'm so intrigued, and I love to watch pitchers that are able to pitch to contact. They're spinning the ball well. They're making good pitching decisions as far as variety with Kyle, you know, going change, curve, fastball. I, I think Kyle does throw a sinker, I believe, as well. I can tell you in a second. And I, I love the science and the thought that has to go into pitching a game this well. Okay, so I'm on Brooks Baseball, which is a phenomenal website if you want to know what pitchers do. Sometimes watching on TV, it's so crazy just to figure this out. Okay, Kyle does have a sinker, which is what I thought that runs about 86, a changeup 79, his four-seamer averages 87, and his curve averages 71 that can get lower. So if you hang out with me for a second, I bet I can find what he does game by game. Okay, here is actually Kyle Hendricks' pitch breakdown from his 81-pitch game. So, this is 81 pitches total. 15 of them were four-seamers. 36 were sinkers, so a sinker dominated it. 20 change-ups and 10 curveballs. So, he had a four-pitch mix that was amazing. And it's, it's like I said, man, it's just so fun to watch these guys do this sort of thing. And I hope, one... Because of, you know, pitcher's arm health. And then two, because like not everyone can throw that fast. I would love to see more guys do this. You know, I do know that Mike Maddox, the Cardinals pitching coach, I think a lot of what he does um, talks about pitching to contact. It's so hard to pitch to contact these days because of, 
you know, hitter studying their launch angle. The baseball is wound so tight, it's as hard as a rock, and it's easy to hit. And in this game that's dominated by the home runs, for Kyle Hendricks to do what he did and nobody to hit anything hard off of him, that's that's what makes it such an unbelievable start because this game that's just dominated by exit velocity and guys that are bigger than ever that just want to bash baseballs, he just took them apart, man. And I think this start is better than the best start we've seen this season. But judging by like how often we see perfect games and no hitters, what Kyle did is most definitely more impressive than a no-hitter, I would say. I mean, 35 no-hitters in the last 10 years, but four times, that's what Kyle's the fourth time that an 85-pitcher under complete game shutout's done. And I know they call Kyle Hendricks to start a Maddox. And the definition of that is supposed to be a complete game on like 100 pitches or less. I don't wholeheartedly agree with that definition. If I saw, if Rick Porcello comes out today and throws a 99-pitch complete game, I do not put that in the Greg Maddox territory. What made Greg Maddox's game so good a lot is him throwing um, a 76-pitch complete game against the Cubs and giving up a run. And I think maybe one or two other times he had thrown like an 80-something pitch complete game. And those were the things that like you would look at Greg Maddox and be like, what the hell just happened there, man? Like that's not really impossible. You an alien? Who are you, guy? And so I I get the definition of a Maddox is 100 pitches or less, complete game shutout. In in my heart, man, it's 85 pitches or less. It truly is. Anything else than that sells Greg Maddox short. Do you like a 99-pitch complete game shutout? Keep it, man. I don't care. I don't call it a Maddox. I never will, bro. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And that's my passion, dude. Um, But as a rare start, man. Otherwise, dude, I didn't mean for this to go on for 49 minutes. I'll end it here, man. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Enjoy your drive to work. Or if you've been listening to this at the work for the last hour, I hope you didn't get anything done at all. And keep up with it, man. It's Monday. If If you're at work on a Monday or Sunday, listen to this. Stand your ground, man. Watch as much baseball as you can on the clock. Get that company time. Make them pay you for your passion. And you get paid and watch some baseball. You get paid and listen to some baseball. We fought too long for this. Baseball's been on for 150 years. We got to keep the tradition alive. We got to keep watching baseball. And it'd be nice if we could get paid to do it. (laughs) Take care, guys. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you sitting with me. And listen to me rant about baseball. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. See ya.